0: Hey, what's up? Mr. Bill here. Before you listen to the podcast, I just wanted to plug a few things. First of all, I'm doing a bunch of dates for the rest of the year, and I just wanted to tell you about those. I have November 15th in Melbourne, November 23rd in Brisbane, and November 30th in Sydney. December, I have the 12th in San Francisco, the 13th in Nevada City, 14th in Los Angeles, 18th in Denver, 19th in Santa Fe, and the 21st in Columbus. And then I have a show on January 11th in Philly. If you want to come to any of these shows, go to mrbillstunes.com forward slash tour. I also wanted to to mention that I have a label it's called Belegal Beats I don't know if you know about it uh, if you go to belegalbeats.bandcamp.com you can check out all of our releases and we actually just had one come out on November 8th by a guy called Bakar uh, the EP is called Life Form. Uh, it's just a really sick IDM EP and I think if you're listening to this podcast and you're into my music you'd probably like all the stuff that we release on that label so you can go check it out we also have a Spotify playlist if you just go into Spotify and type in Belegal Weekly Selects you'll find the playlist there every week a new artist from the label takes over the playlist and and just replaces it with all the stuff that they've been listening to and enjoying. Uh, so every week it's just a whole set of new IDM music for you to discover if you want. The last thing I wanted to mention is that you should rate, comment, and subscribe this podcast on Apple. Apparently, if you do that, it really helps the podcast. I don't actually know how it helps the podcast, but I've just been told that it does. So, if you know how to go to the Apple Podcast app and put a comment there, give it a five-star rating, uh, subscribe to it if that's a thing, I'm not actually sure, I'm not an iOS user, um, then apparently that's really helpful. So, yeah, I just wanted to mention all those things and enjoy the podcast with Garden Sound. Cheers. Hey, you're listening to the Mr. Bill Podcast. Hey, you're listening to the Mr. Bill Podcast. Hey, you are listening to the Mr. Bill Podcast. Hey, you're 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 listening to the Mr. Hey, you are listening to the Mr. Bill Podcast. Hey, you're listening to the Mr. Hey, you're listening to the podcast. Yeah, welcome to the uh to the Mr. Bill. I was about to say the other Mr. Bill. Welcome <laughs> <laughs> welcome to the to the Mr. Bill podcast. This is episode ten and I'm chatting to Garden Sound. Hey, how's it going? Good. Um I'm actually just gonna hold this mic. Fuck fuck having mic stands. Okay. I don't know why, I just like enjoy holding a mic and just being like, Yeah hey, man, fucking sick. <laughs> um yeah, cool, man. So, uh, what we were you, you were just talking about your name? Yeah, Garden Sound. How it's all capitals. Yeah. But thanks for having me on, by the way. Yeah. Uh, all I said was how you doing. I, I need to say also thank you for uh, having me on this podcast. Oh uh, yeah, of course. Yeah, I've been enjoying doing this podcast. Actually, it's like um, it's good to like sort of. I don't. I don't know. It's sort of like um. You know when you have like a relationship and you're like, oh, I need to like work on this relationship and make it good. So you kind of like build hours into the day maybe to like have conversations with like your wife or girlfriend or whatever like that to try. Totally. Yeah. I feel like the podcast is sort of like that, but for friends, it's like, I'm almost just building time in to be like, all right, I'm not going to be on my phone for this hour and a half and just like have a fucking, like have a full engaged conversation. Oh, true. that makes sense. Yeah. So I've been enjoying it a lot for that reason, actually. Yeah, and yeah it's cool I find like um, <clears throat> I find a conversation is almost like a flow state like for me with music when I go to write tunes uh, I have to be working on music and not looking at my phone for maybe like 30 minutes and then it kind of like I get into that flow state and everything starts to feel comfortable and good and I feel the same with conversations I feel like if I just be in a conversation with somebody for like you know a couple of minutes and I don't like fully engage in it or whatever i don't really get into that flow state but like it happened with the conversation with ben the other night and I, like and it happened just pretty much every podcast that's happened where i get to like the middle of the conversation and i start to be like fuck this feels really good like to be this engaged in a conversation all right yeah. well welcome to the first podcast where that doesn't happen no it's gonna happen
1: <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> i'll just say that would be my luck
0: the um and yeah, that's, that's another reason why i also just wanted to do them like in person you know yeah because like uh, one of my other r- rules for this podcast is not to do it with other people like not to do it over like skype or discord or anything
1: Cause that's that's how I was, I was gonna mention that's actually how you and i uh got to know each other was
0: yeah podcast
1: yeah for the for uh for for garden sound 365 and i said mm.
0: Uh, can I interview you and then we had to do it three times in a row because i kept my- fucking up the audio it just, yeah it just was not like working properly for whatever reason which i mean the first time we tried to do it in like a loud ass bar yeah that, was, you that sent, was just a bad idea yeah you sent that audio over and i was like that's so unintelligible i had to like write subtitles for almost every single sentence yeah which i guess is like kind of fine but yeah um yeah. speaking of which uh, do you, should explain to people what the garden sound 365 thing is. That was a project where,
1: um, actually I was inspired by visual artists. So guys like Beeple that do the everyday, um, sort of scheme where they're like, okay, I'm doing a daily thing, artistic thing that I'm going to put out there. And I thought, man, that'd be kind of fun, um, to do, but I couldn't really think of a way to do it with music. And then I eventually saw Casey Neistat doing a vlog series where he did a vlog every day. And, uh, I think at one point I turned to Caroline while we were watching one of his vlogs and I said, I could do that. So I decided that I would vlog me making a song every day for a year. And I did.
0: And, and uh, and what,
1: I'm never doing it again.
0: <laughs> yeah. That's a, that's a lot. I mean, you have to be really committed. I feel like to do anything every day for a whole year. Yeah. I, every
1: once in a while I get the email like, Hey Gardner, are you going to do another 365? And I'm like, no, it's, I usually <laughs> just send a
0: one word response just to "no." Yeah. I mean, you dedicated a fucking year of like, so yeah, a year of your life went to that project. <laughs> it's like, you're not going to put another year of your life into the same fucking project when the fucking thing was completed. So what, um, like what would an average day look for you on a three, six, five day? So it sort of changed which was every day for you. Yeah.
1: it sort of changed throughout the project as I became more efficient, which is the best part of, of what I took out of that project was I just got a lot better at writing music quicker. Um, and, and probably editing video, right? Exactly. So, I actually left the project with um, a, a whole bunch of skills I didn't have in terms of writing and a whole bunch of video editing chops, um, which, which then carried me on into a career that lasted for about two years of just video editing.
0: Right. So, uh, let's say January 1st, yeah. 2015, was yeah. it? Yeah. 2016. 2016. Yeah, actually, because, yeah, it was 2016. Okay. So, you started on January 1st. Uh, no, I start. Actually, I had a weird start day. I started August twentieth, twenty sixteen, huh. and I went until
1: August twentieth,
0: twenty seventeen. Okay. So um, August twentieth, twenty sixteen. What was that day like? Insane. So I I did a
1: test case where I made videos every day for about two weeks before that, just to kind of get into the swing of it. Okay. So I actually made videos for more than a year. Right. Yeah. Every like day. A year and ten days. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um. Just because I wanted to like know if it was possible. Like I didn't want to just start the project and have and get like fourteen um you know, get like fourteen
0: videos in and then have to stop, right? Is the audio okay? Yeah, yeah, it's fine. I was just checking to um, see if my mic could be a little louder because it looks like you're talking a little louder than me, but it's fine. The guy uh who edits this, Robert Fumo will will edit it to sound hopefully decent. Thanks, Robert. Yeah, Robert's the man. Yeah, yeah. So um. So you did a test run for like a few weeks, and yep. then so August twentieth, uh, everything fell apart. Did it on it, the day you yeah, started?
1: Yeah, and you can see it in the video. Like everything fell apart, but n- not like, um, not not like by my own fault. Like there was just a ton of traffic in Atlanta, so I almost missed like my upload time. Okay. And um, I, me and Caroline like didn't really have a good flow for for how the responsibilities of the house were going to be taken care of, and and. uh yeah, it just all kind of like it worked. I got it up, you know? Like but it 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 was it was uh it was a weird one. And then it got easier from there on. That was when I was still working a job at a corporation, a software corporation.
0: Right. So how many hours do you think it took you to a write the piece of music on August 20th, 2016 and then b record and edit the video for that day? Yeah. Um it took almost all day, the first couple of weeks. Wow. Okay. And then August 20th, 2017, what was the track writing time and the upload on the video editing time that day? Not even close. Like, like like an hour or two? Yeah. I mean, I would write a track and it would usually
1: be about an hour or two hours. And then editing the footage from that would take me less than an hour. And then I would sit there and tag it and bag it and give it a title and be done. And like, it would take me, at that point, I was, I was not employed anymore by um the software company and i i quit that job and gotten a job as a cook at a restaurant so i had more days off mm-hmm. um and so i think the last video was on a day off so i woke up at like noon and i got everything done and uploaded and, and posted by like four
0: right okay yeah well that's cool so like yeah i guess at that point like it puts you into some like crazy routine and stuff because I, I did yeah. something like this which i was just calling a beat a day yeah. and it was just a personal project it wasn't something i was trying to like post to the internet or anything like that but for the first three months of 2017 pretty much January 1st through to like March 31st I pretty much tried to to make a just a beat every day Uh, except when we did the Beats Antique tour because you you came on that with me at the start of 2017 I wasn't doing it during those tour times like which was like maybe two weeks on the road Um, but every other time sort of before and after that I was for the first three months of the year I made a beat every day and that's actually how Apophenia came about because I, I just had like stacks of demos laying around and then I just sort of put them all together and I was like oh cool these make like you know these 12 demos would actually make a really sick IDM album and then I kind of just like took those and uh, refined them a lot. And stuff. Yeah
1: during during that tour Was probably about halfway through 365.
0: Right. Yeah. I remember you were like still making videos every day. I was still making a video and a song every day and also filming for you. Right. Yeah. So you're kind of in some days making two. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It was crazy. That's the most I've ever, that's the most productive I've ever been in my entire life.
0: Like it was just 24 hours straight of writing and filming and. Yeah, that was mental, actually, now that I think about it. So basically, for those listening, um, I did a tour at the start of uh, 2017 17, with yeah. Beats Antique. We did, I want to say, eight to ten dates. Yeah. I, don't, I don't remember exactly the that number. Sounds right. We did Sacramento, Eugene. Bellingham. Bellingham, <laughs> uh, Spokane, Boise, uh, Salt Lake City, City. Denver. Denver. Fort Collins. Fort Collins. Yeah, so eight. Yeah. So um, we did those eight dates, and then I guess uh, I, I think I got you on the road for that to do filming and photos, just media, yeah, basically. But then you kind of ended up being more of like a half tour manager as well. Yeah, it was really fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I enjoyed that a lot. Yeah, honestly, that's a it's a fun thing to do. Like go on the road. I can imagine like being a tour manager would be kind of cool, actually. Yeah like that could be a good job do you think that would be a job you would ever want to do like i know you, you just had a child but like let's say yeah. hypothetically. well so i
1: was separated from mary for about five or six days about a week ago because caroline took her to see her parents right and like that was rough oh really so yeah so i can't imagine being away from her for like a month yeah you know yeah. like that would be it would just rip my heart out mm, yeah. at, at this point maybe maybe i don't know maybe she'll be like get really annoying as she gets older and i'll be like thank god i'm not at home who knows? I don't know.
0: <laughs> Become one of those dads. At, yeah.
1: At this age though, I just want to squeeze her. Like she's just. And just be around her all the time. Oh yeah. She's the cutest little fucking thing. Yeah. It makes sense. Yeah.
0: But yeah. So you're on the road doing media for me during mm-hmm. those first few months. And at the same time as doing media for me every day, which is basically like a lot of the days it was just like photos. And then I think we tried to get like three vlogs done during. We did. Yeah. And they're each about 15 minutes long. Like they're, they're not short videos. Yeah. They're like solid vlogs. Yeah. Yeah, honestly, I like those vlogs too. I, and um, do you know Subtronics? No, I don't. Not his, personally. Oh, but you know his music and stuff? Yes. Yeah, and he's like fucking blowing up right now. Yeah, he hit me up once and he was like, man, I, I really like just like sitting around in my lounge room watching your tour vlogs. Oh. I was like, that's crazy. I mean, like, I guess he can probably relate because he tours yeah. an insane amount at this point. Dude, he just did a fucking uh, a tour date drop at the start of this year. It's like 65 or 70 dates in three months. Hey, Subtronics, if you want a tour vlogger, hit me up. <laughs> yeah, totally, right? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if he listens to this podcast. I know Dirt Monkey listens to this podcast. That's rad. And Tipper fucking listens to this podcast. That's also rad. Dude, he hit me up the other day and, and he was like, I just listened to like the first six episodes of your podcast back to back on a flight. Well, now it's out. Hey, Dave. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that it was it was kind of crazy. It's Yeah, it's actually insane, like the types of people who have told me they listen to this. Like my parents told me they listen to it. Yeah. And like the person who runs the building for my studio listens to it and like Tipper listens to it. It's like if you can hit those three very different demographics, I feel like that's a pretty fucking all-inclusive product right there. Pretty dope. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So that's that's what halfway through 365 was like. But at the very beginning, dude, um, I want to go back to this for a second because... I think the beginning was even more impressive. What I was doing because I had I had a forty-hour-a-week job that I was doing remotely, right? So the company was based in Charleston. I'm in Atlanta, Georgia. So I was working forty hours a week for a software company. And what I would do is at lunch I would write a tune, uh, like on my lunch break. How and long then was your lunch break like so an hour? An hour, okay. yeah. So I'd wake up in the morning, do the entire introduction for the show, and like talk a little bit. Then at lunch I would write the song and film that. And then, as soon as I was able to say I'm done with the done for the day with work, I'd close my laptop and as fast as I could fucking go, I would edit and and uh, post and, and get everything going. But there were a couple times where I, I got to like almost
0: like 11:30 at night before I actually got to post. Oh fuck, so you almost like didn't get it done? I almost yeah. didn't do it, yeah. That's insane. I probably would have started just like trying to think of real simple ideas that I could execute in like 40 minutes or something. That would have been the smart thing to do. Yeah. I just, I just didn't think about it at that point. You know, I was like, I only know this way to do things. So I'm going to do it that way. What was the shortest amount of time during that project you spent on writing the tune and doing the video? (laughs) Like, was there any days where you like spent like, 20 minutes or something. Oh, totally. And you could yeah. tell, like, there's some songs where you listen to them and you go, God, what did you do? Just fucking hit play on a, on an arpeggiator? <laughs> what is this? Like, <laughs> that was, like, the song. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like if I did that series, you, the, probably the progression you would see is towards the end, I'd be like, you know what? Like, I'm sick of, like, Doing anything that requires this much effort every day, so yeah. I'm just gonna like fucking yeah, make a chord, a single chord that goes for four minutes with an arpeggiator on it, and do some modulations in a synth, and call that a fucking tune. After I was done with the project, I didn't write music for months. Yeah, I didn't even sense. open Ableton for months. And do you think like um, through doing this project, your idea of like what music or what a fun track is to write changed a lot? Yes. Okay. And in what ways would you say that changed? Um, well, my, my, well, my, my
1: tastes have changed. So, I mean, that, that definitely influences what I think is fun. Um, but the idea of, of ha- having a deadline makes writing music for me just totally invalidates it anymore. So like, yeah, you don't like it. Uh, I don't, I don't if, if it's like, okay, this is due at the end of the week. I, I just, I would just, just as soon turn it down.
0: Yeah. I feel that I'm kind of the same with music these days, although I feel like Having a deadline is good. Like I try and set my own deadlines a lot and be like, all right, this EP has to just be done by this date because I need some fuel to put out right before this tour or something like that. Or I'll be like, oh, I just need it done by this date because it's just a arbitrary date that I'm picking because otherwise if I don't do that, it won't get done. But I try to always make it like a pretty fair amount of time. Like if it's an EP, like I have an EP right now that's probably 80% finished. And I guess like a fair amount of time for me to finish that would just be by the end of the year. Yeah. It's like four tracks. Yeah, it's fair. Yeah. I feel like that's pretty reasonable. I feel like I call it soft
1: deadlines. So I've got some soft deadlines. Yeah. For stuff, for sure. But I, but I mean like, um, you, you, for instance, if somebody like, my like my buddy John comes over a lot. And this is my writing partner. Mm-hmm. Um, And he'll, he'll come in, into the studio with me. He goes by Curry Sauce and, and we'll write music together. Um, But one of the rules that we have is, and and we've been far more creative and and have produced far better music because I think we both agree there's no timeline on this. Like, Like, just come over and we'll just get the juices flowing. We'll see what happens. But because that whole idea of this needs to be released so that we can... For what for what reason to blow up on instagram like i so so you know right we decided we decided that that wasn't important and it's far more important for me and john just to interact and enjoy writing music together and because of that are some of the music we've written has, has been some of my favorites over the past couple of months
0: yeah honestly i think that's where like the best music gets written is like where there's no real pressure to do it yeah i feel like honestly putting pressure on people to do shit never produces a better result in almost any field right no that's why i like my current day job so much right because my boss
1: is super chill he goes hey i want this done and he doesn't tell me when it's done when it's due or anything he just says i just want it
0: done right right take all the time you need but just do it right Yep, yeah which is dope yeah totally yeah i'm sure you could see the same in like you know academia or something like if you have a child and you're like really strict and pushy on them to yeah to do something like that they probably won't do as well as if you're just like yeah, you know i just fucking do whatever and yeah it's true that's true i feel like my parents were really good at that like they weren't they were sort of strict for like the first maybe 12 years of my life they're like you have to go to school every day you have to study when you're like are you the oldest to- child yeah so oldest, am I. The oldest of two. Yeah. This is something I hear from oldest child, oldest children a lot. Really? Yeah. Yeah, so they, they were strict on me for like up until about the age of eighteen, yeah, pretty much. Or about. even less actually, probably up until the age of like fifteen or 16 pretty much until they realized they don't have control over you anymore yeah exactly they're just like you're gonna do whatever you fucking want to do anyway like smoke weed and shit like that yeah so i was uh at that point they kind of didn't give a shit but that was good i think of them to just be like you know what fuck who cares do whatever you want and then because it was like not a lot of pressure on me i was like all right cool i'm just gonna smoke weed every day and sit around and play guitar and then got really fucking good at guitar and really good at smoking weed (laughs) 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 and then uh and then weed smoking I, world champion 2019 uh well this probably was like 2003 or something oh, okay. i was the, the winds of weed champion 2003 <laughs> 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 um yeah i feel like that was like a good precursor for me learning music and then uh ben the guy who currently uh develops my website oh, okay i would go to his place every day at some point and we would just smoke a shitload of weed together and he was learning web development at the time. And I was just sitting in his garage, fucking around on my laptop on Ableton all the time. And yeah, I mean, just sitting around, having no pressure, smoking weed, fucking around on Ableton. And like at the time, there was fuck all social media. There was like not Facebook or Instagram or a lot of that shit either. So I didn't really feel a pressure coming right. from that side either. And I think like a lot of things just fell into place to get good at music for me. And I feel like that's the same as probably a lot of people in a lot of fields. It's like it took a, like an, it took like a, way for them to be like not pressured to get good at something yeah whatever yep and that's yeah probably sounds like what you're doing with this john dude is building a little like mental environment for yourselves to flourish rather than to fuck it all up with pressure
1: yeah and we do we do cool things like um i think the first time we started writing this project we're working on um uh which is called min max the first time we started working on this we actually um crashed at his girlfriend's beach house and like it, it was like a perfect environment for just like creativity because we had we had a full fridge of you know good beer, good food, and no timeline. And we all we just brought our favorite pieces of gear and we just started writing tunes. I think I think we 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 had like a Model D and my Virus and like a some synthesizer that he brought and we just like started
0: cranking tunes. Dude, yeah. Honestly, I find when I'm in other countries like that aren't America. So Australia was a good example of this. Spain was a good example of this. Uh, India is a great example of this. Yeah. Like these places where just the general pressure to be competitive in, a, in an industry are like way lower. Yeah. I find when I'm just in those places, my brain just like unlocks and I'm like, oh, that's the album right there. Of course. I I can have a folder full of whips that I sit on in America for fucking over 12 months. As soon as I leave the country for like a few weeks and just go to like Australia or something, I'm like, oh, that's the album. (laughs) So the other day you you went up to the hot springs and you
1: said you felt like a huge release of of pressure and, and, and stress, yeah? So I would argue yeah. that maybe it's just the fact that you're on a quote unquote vacation or, or, or a major
0: break from the norm mm. that allows your brain to kind of chill out. and. It could, but like, I mean, when I was in Spain, I wasn't on a vacation. I was working uh, right. at Berkeley and, and I found that I was still like just not feeling as much pressure there and I was still riding a lot of like cool beats every day. So you're saying it was enough of a change in just typical societal pressure. Yeah, I think I got you. That's my theory. That makes
1: sense to me. Yeah,
0: yeah. I don't know for sure if that's the case, but I, I just feel like America has this specific like pressure to be competitive and to be like you know. Oh yeah, doing all these things in well, any industry. It's because
1: a lot of a lot of reward is given to success. Um, I think in, in American culture, like there's there's a ton of drive to be successful there's a ton of drive to um be results focused mm. which is that that's a huge problem in the software industry um is that the teams of managers who manage products aren't focused on making a good product they're focused on revenue and results so they're focused on you know being cost effective focused on getting the best results out of whatever metrics they're being judged by
0: yeah like who creates the metrics for uh, the the yeah who creates the metrics for these results Yeah, exactly. I mean, sometimes Sometimes them right, creating it's just them creating their own system to become more efficient at their own game. I suppose. Right. Yeah. Uh, They should really make the metric for like the most successful thing to just be like the most chill company. Yeah, (laughs) and if you look, (laughs) that would not work.
1: If you if you look at software companies where they're a bit more relaxed about like pushing, you know, for a specific quota of revenue or whatever, like companies sometimes in my opinion have happier employees and um a better product in general because if your employees are happy they're gonna be working harder because they want to not because they have to yeah i feel like google does shit like that right they have like the little sleep pods and yeah. stuff yeah um so my buddy jared works for a really cool contractor that i don't i don't know if i'm allowed to share what he does but um he does software and his companies chill like that. And so he's like, cause he used to work with me at, at the software company I worked at that. I had a very ugly breakup with. Um, and uh, he's told me that um, the way that they work and the way that they allow people to chill out there really lets them exercise more creativity in their approach to a solution so that they're like having a good time solving a problem instead of like, slamming their heads against the desks like we got to get this done with x y and z results or ah, oh,
0: you know yeah um yeah so before you did all the 365 stuff you were you just mentioned you're working at a software company yeah that was um you were doing accounting right doing accounting systems okay What what's that so um man i've had a fuckload of weird jobs this
1: is one of my weirdest but i did it for the longest i was a financial system consultant um and what that means is It's a nicer way of saying that I basically set up and customized accounting software for um,
0: large nonprofit organizations. Do you know of the company Salesforce? I definitely know of the company Salesforce. Okay. So this leads me into like this other conversation that I was having earlier with Um, Yarn. I saw that Telefon Tel Aviv made a tweet and the tweet said something like, oh, you know, I sit here in front of my $25,000 mains uh, listening to an arpeggio or something like that. I don't know, it was like some weird like stab at people who probably have really expensive gear and speakers but who write really simple music you know, like, it sounded like he was taking a stab at maybe someone in the trance scene like Tiesto or Dead Mouse or something and, and he was like, he didn't he was being vague, but basically the tweet was like, you know what, let me just find it and read it. <laughs> this leads me into like a good little conversation here, but um I actually did what I was supposed to do, um, which is, you know, if, if you're leaving a position
1: like that where you actually have a good good amount of responsibility, and I, and I was client-facing, so I had a, 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 you know, a collection of people who only knew me at the company. Right. So when you have that type of a job and, and you're going to leave the company, you have to give them more than just two weeks' notice because you have to tell all your clients that you're leaving and who's right. going to be their new guy. Okay. Does yeah. that make sense? Yep, yep. Um, and we really emphasized a personal touch, which was one of my favorite parts of that job. I'm good at talking to people. I like talking to people. So what I did was I gave them three months. I said, hey, this is gonna be my last quarter here, which is plenty of time. That's what you're supposed to do. Mm -hmm. What I didn't know was that also enabled them in every way they possibly could to find and build a case against not giving me my bonus for the quarter, which for those of you who have never worked in a sales position or a consulting position, they call it a bonus, but it really is part of your base pay. If you think about like the amount of money you get paid per per year. Um so I basically got screwed out of my bonus which I absolutely deserved right. for both that quarter and for the entire year. Fuck. So if I ever I'm I'm not going to say these company is cuz they don't deserve any free promotion um <laughs> but if I ever find uh my manager uh, on the streets I'm I'm going to have some words and be like you owe me a lot of money.
0: Right, right. <laughs> okay, so this telephone television tweet it's uh in quotation marks and it says Here's another piece of gear in my studio that you definitely can't afford. While my twenty-five thousand dollar quid mains sit surrepti- surreptitiously, surreptitiously, surreptitiously in the background, here's a truly unique thing called an arpeggio. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like they're having a bad day. Yeah, what do you think that it means? Like, what do you think that tweet means? Uh, I've I've said things like that before. I don't know. Maybe they're just feeling prideful it sounds like they're taking a stab at someone like Tiesto or deadmau mouse sitting in front of $25,000 speakers doing an arpeggio and being upset that a simple a simplistic thing is like uh, is popular, more successful right? than, than
1: whatever they're spending a lot of time on.
0: Right. And this is where it comes back to Salesforce because like, uh, I was talking to Jan earlier and I was like, it's kind of cool that like that bullshit, like this is like EDM Twitter, right? Right. And like in the electronic music scene, like I've been there before, you've been there before, uh, people always like take stabs at other people who are more successful for doing simple things. Oh, I've taken down videos about me ranting about that kind of shit just because I'm so disgusted
1: by, by getting that prideful about things.
0: It's, yeah, it's silly. And I mean, I think like I've, been there a ton of times and I, I really try to be self-aware of it and not get into that position yeah uh, anymore and i'm not having to stab at telephone Tel Aviv for being in that position i totally understand oh, i've but, been there yeah and i love telephone Tel Aviv's music and uh seeing them or well, seen him when he played at the black box like maybe last year and it was fucking awesome but uh i was talking to yana being like it's really cool that that doesn't exist so much in the tech scene like every time i've met techies they're always like uh they're like oh you y- you know, they're pretty good at um, just doing their job, getting paid a lot of money to do their yeah. job. And then it's pretty thankless. Like, nobody really knows who developed the app that they're using. The end users don't right, ever really uh, give a shit about the credits. They just give a shit about yeah, the thing exists. the biggest
1: slam fest in tech is Apple versus Mac, and that's it. I mean, sorry, Apple versus uh, Windows, and that's it.
0: Right, but not really, because, like, I mean, I spend a little bit of time in... Um, uh san francisco hanging out with Jan, and literally all the techies there that i met they called the big salesforce tower a giant dildo they're like <laughs> yeah it's the big salesforce dildo and like i think that's a good example in the tech industry of where like something has so simple like accounting software yeah it's not groundbreaking at all they just no. probably just did it well right right um something simple like accounting software got really big and now everybody, and it's really simple. And now everyone's like, oh, fuck that thing. It's like simple fucking stupid bullshit. Oh, yeah. It's like the equivalent of something like simple trance, like dead mouse or something like that getting big. And then all producers being like, oh, this fucking dumb. Model. Right. Or, or like, that's why it's funny to hate on Old Town Road, you know? Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I don't know. I like you talking about that and then reminding me about Salesforce just reminded me about this whole thing. We had to use Salesforce at that job to track hours and other things for clients. Like it does. It does so much. Um, yeah, I've heard it's like some pretty all-encompassing software really for, is. for it, business or whatever. Yeah, uh, that type of software, I believe, um, and
1: anybody feel free to correct me, it's called a CRM. It's just a giant <laughs> relational database. Right. Um, it's basically just like a fucking task manager on crack. Yeah, essentially, yeah. And But we used to have meetings because all the old guys and girls on my team... This is going to be slightly ageist, but they they couldn't get a fucking grip on how to use Salesforce to track stuff. So I can't tell you how many hours of my life were wasted having the same thing re to me over and over <laughs> again because fucking you know CJ couldn't put
0: shit in, <laughs> into Salesforce correctly. I mean, I don't think that's ageist. I I think like, uh, uh yeah, young people are definitely better with computers than yeah. old people for the most part. Like that's a general statement, but it's generally true. Have you ever seen that meme?
1: Or it's like, um, uh, oh my God, it's like if you ever post a like you know boomer humor type of meme, then you immediately lose your card to have any millennial fix your computer,
0: <laughs> yeah, totally, yeah, yeah, that makes sense, well, um, I mean, I just think it's like we had computers available to us to fuck with when our bla- when our brains had more plasticity to yeah. learn, yeah, whereas computers sort of came in when boomers were like thirty, right, yeah, so like. I mean, I can rip on, and you
1: make a good point, I could rip on my dad for not being good with computers, but I can only do that to a degree because he did give me a computer when I was
0: five. Right, so, there you
1: go. And they were really expensive at that point, so like, I, I do owe him a debt of gratitude for getting me into computers. Right, yeah. yeah.
0: But yeah, I don't know. I thought it was interesting that uh, after I thought about it for a bit, I was like, this does exist in tech yeah, as well as music. But I think it exists more in music because – music is such like an expression of yourself or at least it's seen that way. So if somebody kind of doesn't accept it or something gets bigger that you think is shitty or something like that, then you start to get like a lot of self doubt and you start to be like, well, fuck, maybe I'm, if I'm wrong about all of this, then maybe I'm wrong about everything about myself. It's, it's personal by
1: design, right? Yeah. So, so it's, it's not as much about like a product that we can, you know, all hate on together. It's, it's like, this music came out of this person or this music came out of me. So if somebody insults your music, it's almost like a personal attack.
0: Yeah, that's what it feels like. Exactly. Because it's like your opinion or your taste or something like that. Yeah, exactly. But that's weird because I don't get that with like food. And maybe I would if I was a chef and like spent my whole life trying to be a professional at food. Even though I think I'm actually Bleep Bloop told me something interesting. He's like, everybody is a professional at what they like with food. Break that down for me. Uh, that either went over my head or I'm just actually confused. <clears throat> he said that he thinks everybody is like a professional at what they like to eat. Oh, okay. Yeah. Which, to some degree, I think is true. Some de- to some degree, I mean, you would have to eat everything to know what you like, right? Yeah, it's true. But that's does is that the same with music? Do you need to listen to like every piece of music to understand completely what you like in music? I think listening to as much music as possible definitely helps. It definitely like rounds your opinion out better to yeah. like know what's available.
1: Yeah, I, I I got stuck in listening to one type of music for too long and then not, now I just I just consume it. I eat it, man. I got Spotify Premium. I'm listening to three or four new albums a week. Nice. Yeah. That's, Stuff that's, that's I've good. never heard before. Like that's that's what I'm craving these days. I'm like, show me something I've never heard. Like Yeah, you were showing me some K pop the other night. That was pretty cool. Yeah, man. Yeah, K pop is sick. K pop is sick. Um this is other genre of music I'm really into right now uh it's called um wave so it's it's not vaporwave it's just wave it's it's Mm -hmm. kind of it's it's i want to say it's kind of japanese inspired but it's um it's definitely am i not loud enough
0: uh yeah it's nice to have the mic kind of close just to get a healthy level going Uh, okay i'll just i'll do better just get real close to the mic like this there you go hey how's everybody doing S.M.R. podcast. Uh, welcome
1: to the S.M.R. podcast. My name is Gardner. <laughs> I'm gonna take a sip of bourbon now. <sighs> ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no. Wave is uh, Japanese-inspired hip hop. It sounds like if you took the re-space from, um, you know, liquid drum and bass. Mm. and just put a hip hop beat on top of it and Some really floaty hairy m- lead stuff mm-hmm. actually that's what it sounds like it's, it's fucking halftime it's halftime uh liquid that's what it is okay yeah, yeah. is not kind of dubstep
0: no it's it's a little bit it, it's not as surgical it's called wave wave yeah hmm. yeah i never heard of it i always think it's funny like how a lot of new genres will come out and, and i'll listen to it and i'll just be like oh it's like house with a slightly different beat or something and then yeah. everyone will be like no that's moomba or yeah. like you know someone will show me something and i'm like oh cool it's just dubstep but simpler and they're like no that's rhythm yeah or like i don't know it's 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 like the subgenres get more and more and i think this happened in the rock scene too right it's Do like you enjoy cat- categorizing things though i think it makes sense for a conversation yeah yeah for
1: sure like i enjoy it like that's enjoy. why I've, You know, finance and accounting was so much kind of uh, fun for me. True. I like to categorize things. I like Excel. I like to to fuck with the colors and
0: Ableton and put things in groups and groups and groups. It just, like, makes you feel comfortable or something? Yeah, I love it. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Makes sense. Um, Yeah, I I like it. I mean, I I think that, like, to some degree what's going on is the same thing that went that happened in rock uh i think humans in general like to categorize things it just makes people feel comfortable to like know what things are and to be able to call them a thing yeah it makes it's, your brain more efficient yeah it's like if you don't understand a th- what to call something or like what it is it maybe just makes you feel a little bit crazy uh-huh. whereas then you're like oh fuck it's just rhythm it's fine <laughs> <laughs> yeah you're like it spooks you if you don't know what it is or something yeah, or if you don't know what to call it like rock got broken down into like speed metal progressive metal new metal yeah exactly it's like yeah it was rock and then it became they became rock and metal then they became like hard rock and soft rock and cock rock and indie rock and jock rock yeah yeah and butt rock and chris rock you've heard of butt rock <laughs> and butt rock no butt rock is
1: uh basically any um kind of Semi hardcore, uh, you know, Chad music that you might find in a Sonic the Hedgehog game. It's called Butt Rock, okay?
0: Yeah, nice. I'm into it. Yeah, I love Sonic, Sonic, Sonic <laughs> the Hag Hag, Sanic the Heg <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, so there's like, uh, and then I guess from there, like, yeah, shot, shot it off into metal. <laughs> I was gonna say shattered, but then I was like, shattered. it <laughs> <laughs> just <laughs> into metal one day, just <laughs> metal, <laughs> yeah, and then metal turned into what yeah like uh like tech metal death metal speed metal yeah and there was like speed core which i don't know how it's different and, from and, then, and then there was hardcore There's was like dark metal yeah then emo was- core soft core shoegaze yeah exactly math rock Yeah, so I think the same thing is happening right now with electronic music. It's like, originally, it was like techno. Like, any electronic music. It's all techno. Everyone was like, oh, cool, you're into techno. Yeah. Or, um, for a while. Then it was house. It's like, it's slightly slower. Well, actually, for a while, um, in Australia, at least, I don't know if this was the case anywhere else, because Australia's electronic music scene is fucking, has no history in comparison to America, like, with Chicago, house, and Detroit, and all that shit. Um, but like, uh... In Australia, like, I was making sci- – I, I showed a friend of mine some tracks that I made when I was, like, 17. One of them was Psytrance. In, in my opinion, it was Psytrance. It was Psytrance. And then another one was, like, Glitch, like, Square Push or something like that. I showed him both. And he was just like, oh, cool, you make dance music? <laughs> and I was like, yeah. yeah, I mean, I guess, yeah. I, I was I was like, well, actually, this one's Psytrance and this one's Glitch. But, yeah, I suppose.
1: Yeah, I think it comes full circle at some point because, like, when it comes to rock now, I, I still would just call it rock. Mm-hmm. Or when I hear anything that's, like, closely
0: resembling metal, I'm like, that's metal.
1: And then somebody will say, you know, correct me or whatever. But, like, I don't think it really matters at a certain point.
0: It doesn't. But, like, also, I think it matters. uh, It doesn't matter. But I think it depends, like, how engaged you are with the style, too. Like, for instance, if you uh, showed me a track by, like, Squarepusher or something like that, I was like oh, cool, uh, this is, like, uh, nice electronic music, you might be like, oh, no, this is, like, breakcore or something. Yeah. Uh, Oh, no, this is neurotrance. Right. Yeah. Whereas with, like, metal or rock, something you're maybe not so invested in, I'd be like, oh, cool, yeah, rock song, and you'd be like, yeah, yeah, that's a fine definition. Yeah. (laughs) It's sort of like, you know, if you were a cheater and you looked at another cheater, you'd be, like, way more uh, observant of, like, where all their spots were on their body And you might be like, oh, that guy's got a cheetah spot right there. Gross. (laughs) A weird place for a cheetah spot. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. How is this guy doing? Like, I can't believe he's got a cheetah spot right there. (laughs) The Wrong place for that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Whereas, like, you know, we're humans. We're not invested in where cheetah spots are. (laughs) So we just look at a cheetah and we're just like, it's a fucking spotted animal and we don't give a shit where the spots lie. And we get back in the car because those things are fast. (laughs) Exactly, yeah. You get back in the car and you go the fuck home. Yeah.
1: Yeah, no, I can dig that. So l- let me let me let me let me, let me not really counter that, but let me add something to it. Um, the The idea of humans needing to categorize things, mm-hmm. I think, is 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 on the whole good. Here's why. Mm-hmm. So, what I just the example I gave, where I said that I can definitely tell there's a distinction between rock and metal, right? I'd say that they probably both fall under the giant umbrella of of music. But I think there's rock, and then there's metal. Like I think they're distinct, regardless of their of their um, of, of their you know beginnings or whatever. The point I'm trying to get at is the distinction is made because we got so into categorizing things, right? So you can make that distinction, and I think a lot of people could agree that there is a distinction. Just like how there didn't used to be the color blue, it was there in the visual spectrum. But until we started to categorize colors a bit more, everything was just green. Have you ever heard about this? Uh, No, I have not. If you go back into recorded history, um, it's a couple hundred years. You really won't see any mention of the color blue. You only see green. Like the sea is green, the sky is green. This is that, and this Uh, is this. Oh, yeah. Interesting. But after a while, some people were like, you know what? It's not really green. It's more like blue. When they were like, "What the fuck is blue?" Right, and then people, and, and then that became like you know some, something to talk about and, and discuss, and then eventually right. now, now we have we've green, blue, violet, but, purple.
0: So people were calling green and blue the same thing. They were just like, "Yeah, it's green. It's a shade of green. Blue just used to be a shade of green." Ah, oh, interesting. I wonder if that like actually would have affected your vision by just calling them the same thing.
1: Well, that's that's what I was getting at. I think it helps develop our senses more when we start to subcategorize. Yeah, that's probably true. Yeah. Pushes our brain a bit further to really try to nail things down better.
0: Right. So maybe like in the music production process, having like a stronger vocabulary to like explain how things sound like, oh, that sounds spiky or that sounds boxy or that right. sounds like fat or that sounds thin or whatever. Not crunchy enough. It's too crunchy. That can maybe like help you a little bit, like use other parts of your brain and other senses and stuff to be like more creative to try and get the exact like vibe and feeling that you want to get out of a thing. Definitely yeah okay yeah that makes sense definitely um, yeah I think that could be a good argument for like categorization being a positive thing,
1: yeah because like i I had a bass teacher when i was in when I was in school um who told me that uh you know, cause I was frustrated that I wasn't having enough time to practice my bass and write music i was I was a composition major so i had I basically had to take a lesson every every week just like anybody who was doing a performance degree would have to. Um and also write and have a lesson in composition every week, so I would argue it's it's more of a difficult degree um because of that, but I was you know just expressing my frustration with my base teacher, I said, you know I wish I had more time to to do things and which I realize now is a silly argument for a college student to make cause you have fucking nothing but time um but anyway the the point he the point he made was like, don't you think that all these great composers that you admire spent time practicing their instruments and developing their music, musical vocabularies and practicing and reading about different kinds of music and listening to every kind of music. His point was basically like you're here to do that and you're only gonna get better at this by developing your vocabulary, right? By by spending time um where am I trying to go with this? That's kind of a tangent. Don't you hate it when you're talking about something and you get all self-aware about it and you're like, man, that stuff like doesn't fit in. <laughs>
0: I mean, I think what you're saying is that categorization is good and like learning more about a thing just helps you be better at it. Right. I think he was trying to get me to be less of an individualist and just like start to accept that there's a breadth of knowledge that I could absorb and learn from. Yeah. I mean, I definitely feel I'm on like both sides of the camp with that one because like I'm somewhat, uh, I somewhat refuse to learn music theory. Yeah, I've never been able to figure out why you refuse to learn it, because I would also say that you kind of do refuse to learn it,
1: because you're a very intelligent person, you could absolutely learn it if you spent some time on it. But I do get your argument that it's more or less useless in this context, like I'm pointing at my screen that has Ableton
0: on it. Yeah, yeah. I I don't think it's useless, but I think that it's... The benefit isn't worth the amount of time it would take you to learn it. Uh, maybe it definitely doesn't seem like I would ever use it for writing music. It seems like I would only ever use it for justifying music that I've written. Well, I don't do that. Right. That's a choice. I think. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So I don't think I would do that either. Even if I did learn it, I, I don't think I would sit there going like, all right, now let me try and figure yeah. out exactly what, I mean, I might do it as like a learning tool just to like, cause part of why, um, part of the, the process of being a producer uh and this this something that tommy Broken note told me is he was like part of writing a new song is almost like trying to figure out what went right last time you wrote a song right and um and in that sense uh you know maybe i could use music theory for that reason be like why does this song like some circuit bend songs for instance have certain things going on in them where i'm just like why do i fucking like that melody so much or like why do i like the way that that uh, the key of the snare like the fundamental of the snare mm-hmm. works with that chord why do I like that so mm-hmm. much and if I could start to maybe identify things like that that I liked a lot then implement those into my own music I think that, that could be cool but at the same time it's pretty rare I think that I can't do that already just by like listening Yeah. and also uh, the, the the times where I feel like I need to know music theory the most is where I'm like I, I know this last chord could have a certain vibe to it like anomaly sort of vibe or something where it's like, you know, some crazy fucked up tension chord or something. But I just can't figure out for the life of me what notes it has to be to make it be that. Right. And in that sense, I could be like, oh, well, let's just get the fucking good, the good book or the real book or whatever the fuck it's called and just pull a chord out of that or something. It definitely does help like solve that Sudoku puzzle when you're looking at a stack of notes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I can see like how it could be helpful in those ways. But again, it's like, I say I don't know music theory at all, but like I think intrinsically I kind of do. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's just, I don't know how to justify a lot of it with language or writing. And it's the same argument about
1: green and blue. Again, for me, it's like, instead of at the end of the day saying, yeah, I liked that chord or I liked that shade of green, I can say, I like that blue, mm-hmm. right? I like that chord. And right. it, it makes it a lot easier for me to start from there too. So if I'm like, okay, um, I remember how this chord sounded. I remember what the tonality of it is. And then I just apply that. Or if you're Bob Ross, just every single painting, you just use Prussian blue. <laughs> I I watched a video on why Prussian Blue is called that, but I can't remember why.
0: Cool. Neat. <laughs> cool story, bro. Yeah, nice one. Good for you. <laughs> really the story was I watched a video. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. I watched a video on a subject and internalized none of it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it happens. Yeah. Um so you're a Christian. You want to talk about that? Yeah, let's talk about religion. All right, cool. Let's do it. Yeah, I am. Yeah. Neat. uh, (laughs) Sick. (laughs) Well, uh, yeah, I mean, what was it like growing up with a... You had a a priest for a dad. He's a priest now. He wasn't when I was growing up.
1: Okay. Which was interesting. So, um, hey, Gary. Um, He... at 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 a point in his life decided that it would be a good idea to um pursue becoming a priest and, and that goes into kind of like a spirituality type of thing where um he heard a calling which is which is like an urge that we believe the holy spirit gives certain people to become priests um and uh for whatever reason my dad heard the call and and uh, said yeah and a bunch of people who are also christians would did what's called like a confirmation basically they, they all prayed about it and thought about it and dwelt on the issue and thought about it for a really long time, like a long time. And they were all like, yeah, all right, you can be a priest. You should be a priest. Yeah, exactly. Right. So is that how you
0: become a priest?
1: Yeah. The, I mean, the first step is, okay, so this could get a, a bit political um, because there are certain denominations of Christianity where that's not the case, where, where the process is a lot shorter. And I would argue that because of that, um, the actual process uh what's the word for it? institution of the church is a bit watered down and I would, I would call them warehouse churches you know what i'm saying um but but that also sounds a bit elitist mm. and, I, and i don't make i don't mean to make any division among christian brethren i would still consider people that go to a warehouse church my christian brothers and sisters and that's all fine and good but anyways so i just wanted to make the distinction that no it doesn't always have that happen that way but in the episcopal church or the catholic church right those they're very similar um, you know, arguably the largest group of Christians, that is exactly how it happens. So, you know, someone hears the call and they go to a priest and say, Hey, I think I'm supposed to be a priest. And the priest goes, Hmm, let me talk to my other priest friends about this. And they all think about it and they go, what do you think about Gary being a priest? And they're like, I don't know. Let's pray about it. And then a couple months goes by and they get more people involved and more teams and family. And they, they interview you and the hmm. bishop, like the big priest, you know, the, the, the Uber priest, uh, uh, the Pope. No, there's, there's priests, bishops, um, cardinals, Pope.
0: Oh, okay. Alright, that's the hierarchy. Right. I wonder so, if I could like become a priest, if I could just like convince a church to like Oh, you can go me, on the internet and become a priest. I'm an ordained minister. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. I so, can I can
1: marry people. Yeah, yeah, basically. Yeah. So it, it's not it's it's not hard to do in that sense, but um in the Episcopal Church or the Catholic Church it's pretty difficult. Right. And it's because they have a long history of of priesthood that you have to kind of accept and,
0: and put that mantle on, good and bad uh so one of the things i think about that's weird about religion and one of the reasons i can't really get behind any of them is because i always have this thought i'm like if i was just born in india and i just hadn't been born in the western world right there's no fucking way that i would be like to to be born in india and then be uh hindu yeah uh, sorry christian right uh or if i was born in like china you know there's like a pretty good chance that i would be be whatever they are there i think it's what like buddhism or hinduism is also pretty big there or yeah um i can't remember what it's called it's it's a type of
1: a type of buddhism
0: yeah or regardless i mean the point is that whatever religion is like local to the area sure is the most chance that you'll become that, that. One. yeah right yeah. and you you were born in the south and christianity is huge in the south so it's like it seems just likely that that would happen oh yeah
1: yeah and, and, and that's, that's the entire community of some people, some places, like the place where I grew up, like that was the whole town. Like everyone was religious. Everyone. Right. And everybody goes to youth group and you hung out with your friends at youth group and everybody goes to, yeah. um, you know, like mission trips and everything. And it's just like
0: what you do. So when I was younger, um, there was like certain points of the day or whatever, when I was at school where everyone who was Catholic got to leave class and like go and do some shit. And I would always be like, what the fuck are they doing? Yeah, and I, don't, then I don't know what that's about. I think they were just going to like pray at lunchtime or some shit. I don't know what the that's fuck. That's weird. It was like, there was maybe five people in my class out of like 20 that were, <clears throat> and this was when I was pretty young, when I was like maybe eight or nine, who were Catholic or whatever and they would get like plucked out of class and they'd be like you, you you guys are all religious come with us and like you have to come and do the, the the religious thing or whatever and i'd always be like that's fucking bullshit i want to leave class yeah so i'd go home and be like hey dad can i uh can i become catholic and he'd be like i'd be a fucking idiot <laughs> <laughs>
1: it makes me wonder if you can get like a exemption from class to go protest a soldier's funeral if you're part of the westboro <laughs> baptist church
0: right yeah yeah, it was just funny, like I, I still remember going home and being like, I want to become a Christian so I can or Catholic so I can leave class. And yeah. my dad just being like, You're a fucking idiot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: You know, you are right. There's actually a um there there's a really awesome Christian author who writes um good secular and religious uh material um he's deceased now, C. S. Lewis, uh-huh. who makes the argument, um and a lot of people a lot of people in, in Christianity consider him to be a scholar. Mm. So like like a person where it's like, okay, What's C.S. Lewis's opinion? We can dig that, you know? Right. It's not law, but a lot of people really just do consider him to be a very knowledgeable, like, good north star for morality in the Christian church.
0: Yeah, that's the best thing I think you can get out of religion is just, like, good direction with morality. Yeah. Which I do think it has a lot of good values for that kind of stuff. Yeah. But anyways, he makes the argument that um,
1: people who as you say you know grow up in a different spot and never actually get a chance to be exposed to Christianity at all because in some in some churches they argue that even those who don't know any better go to hell for not believing in Christ mm-hmm. right that's the thing that a lot of people can't get behind cs lewis argues that if they don't know any better then they're then they're untainted by the world in the first place right so he he says that that you know people that don't get the chance to to accept jesus or or you know or whatever the religious text uh, you know of the church says um for whatever dominant denomination you're in um that they're they're more or less fine
0: um and would you you're not like still practicingly religious right like, no i had a, had a pretty i had a had a
1: pretty negative experience um i just haven't been able to go back to church since then
0: you had a negative experience with the church yeah Do you want to talk about that on no? Um, no, because I'll end up
1: calling some people out and that's not what I need to do.
0: Okay. Fair enough. Yeah.
1: Um, yeah. It seems like a
0: lot of people have negative experiences with churches, Yeah.
1: yeah. but I'm, but I'm, but the fucked part is I'm still a Christian, right? Cause like most right. people is like, I'm fucking done, you know, <laughs> fuck. Yeah. And, and, but with me, like, I, it, it's almost like, it's almost like I'm just
0: in an abusive relationship and I just don't want to leave, you know? Right. But uh, you, you were telling me that the reason why is because you had like some experience with God. Yeah. That you think is like more powerful than, uh, I guess, a kerfuffle with the church. Yep. Yep. Uh, That's
1: a, I don't know if I want to talk about that either on the podcast. That'll just make me sound like a crazy person. I mean,
0: I think I've had some pretty crazy experiences without the use of drugs too. Yeah, I suppose. Like I've, I've definitely hallucinated without having taken any drugs, but it's usually taken me being pretty sick for that to happen. I was in a, I was in a good a good
1: spot. I was in a good spot in my life and um I I went to I went to sleep one night after after praying a little bit and um I more or less had like the most vivid dream I've ever had in my entire life um where I think that the Holy Spirit as the mediator between God and man spoke to me um and it sounded I can't describe how it sounded. Like I can try. It sounded like imagine if there was like a sync button on a choir where you could get everybody perfectly in sync, mm-hmm. it was like that. Um, like uh, all I the like oscillations it. were perfectly in sync and it was mm-hmm. loud and powerful and like shook the room and, and, and nuts. And I woke up and I was like, what, <laughs> what the fuck? Like, I still remember exactly everything like about that dream. Right. I don't normally,
0: um, so, so that it, you, you're like, for you, that is like unequivocal truth that, that God exists. I can't explain it any other way. I think I might have an explanation. Um, when you sleep, DMT is excreted in your brain. Yeah, maybe it's just a strong DMT. Hit. That, that's the God drug, right? Everybody says they see God if they take DMT. <laughs> um, I don't think everybody says they see God, but everybody has like pretty similar experiences, and it's usually like very like gold yeah. and like very bright, and you see a lot of creatures. A lot of people call them machine elves. You also hear a buzz, like a e, like a like a high-pitched buzz which could maybe transpose into a choir i'm sure yeah stuff like that it it definitely like a lot of people who do it yeah i don't know if a lot of people maybe some people have it and go like yeah god for sure yeah but like i think most people who do it definitely report like religious sounding experiences for sure yeah yeah Mm. and i mean i've i've had it a few times and for me my experiences have been quite different every time Mm. interesting yeah yeah, I mean, I, I could have been related, I don't know. Yeah. I'm not a doctor. I'm <laughs> not your fucking mum. <laughs> <laughs> I'm your fucking mum, Dude, fucking Auntie Donna is so insane. Yeah. For anyone who hasn't seen Auntie Donna, go to YouTube and just type in Auntie Donna and watch, what, what's a good one? Jambalam. Jambalam. Yeah, watch Auntie Donna Jambalam. Yeah. That video is fucked. A good one. <laughs> it's so good. Do you reckon you could ever like, uh, here's a question. This is something that Jan asked me the other day and I had an answer for it, but I'm interested in, it took me a while to think of the answer. So I'm curious what your like knee jerk reaction answer would be. If you had to like hard pivot, like your career into something else. I've done this so many times. Yeah. Like, Cause I mean, you. so you went from the 365 thing and the YouTube thing, to just being like, fuck this. And you had a kid and now you do like handyman work.
1: Yeah. And I also work at a 3D design shop. Right. Yeah. yeah. Oh,
0: that's cool. We should talk about that too. That's a rad job. I love it. Um, Please don't fire me. <laughs> uh, okay. So, like, let's say you had to, like, stop doing that stuff. Like, what would you hard pivot to? And it uh, had to be, like, let's say not computer related. Yeah. I got it. I'd be a pilot. A pilot. I've already thought about it. I'd either be a pilot or I'd join the police force. Create The police force. Yep. Why the police force? Let's see if I can make a positive difference. I don't, I don't know if police do make a positive difference for a lot of the department. No, I see if I can make a positive difference difference on the policing like like just be a good cop yeah right and try to influence other cops to be less of less of you know shitty cops yeah that makes sense would you be a cop in baltimore i could probably do it that seems insane and yeah. dangerous as fuck it does yeah <laughs> i don't think i would want to do that i don't know i work around dangerous machines every day what's the most dangerous machine
1: uh we have this thing called non-shrewd that is basically a giant um uh spinning uh drill bit going at like hundreds of Tens of hundreds of RPMs. And um, it uh, if, if something isn't secured down to the table where it's trying to um, trace something, it, it'll shoot it through the fucking wall.
0: Right, it'll like, just spin it up and like, yeah, turn it into yeah. a f- giant Frisbee. Yeah. Jesus. Uh, I've, I've seen
1: um, instances, not not at this particular shop, but instances of similar CNC machines ejecting blocks of aluminum through the safety glass, through the wall of the shop, and like a mile down the road. Holy fuck. Like, so if it, that hits you, you're dead. Oh, you're toast. Oh, it's going to go through you. Like it, it'll
0: what it, it go? It went through the fucking safety glass. Like Jesus. that stuff is like inches thick. How did somebody fuck that up? I don't know. And it just missed everybody. I don't know. Yeah, dude, things go
1: wrong all the time. That that's that's something that working like as a handyman will make you realize. Like things break all the
0: time. Things go wrong all the time. Right. Nothing's like ever completely. Safe. No, there's nothing you can do about it. That's so fucked. Yeah. You just live with this like existential threat. The yeah. Dread of like shit just collapsing.
1: And, and I think that's made me a more relaxed person. Like, like having to face that every day. Just being like, oh, sitting in this room, this room could just collapse. Yeah. And I I don't tell my clients that, but like, they'll ask me like, can you do this? And I'm like, yeah. Assuming this doesn't blow up, of course. (laughs) Like, like sometimes I'll see a job where like something's been neglected for such a long time. And I'm like, God, I could die. Like, (laughs) like I did a rebuild of, um, of a, of a porch. Um, and there, there were some aspects of that rebuild where it was, it would have been so just not showing up to work after having too many beers the night before. I definitely wouldn't have survived. Like, fuck. because like your balance has to be on point. You're on ladders, you know, 25, 30 feet up in the air, fuck. holding, holding a, a deadly weapon in your hand and a pocket full of nails. And like, there's so many different ways you could fuck up you could fall on your back and the hammer could hit you or you could fall onto the hammers, you know, thing and stabs your lung. You, there's so many different ways you could die. Ugh. Yeah yeah fuck that it's kind of metal though like like <laughs> like i go home sometimes with just like a serious like work boner where i'm like didn't die <laughs> i go home and i take a shower no, that's push-
0: a that's a life boner i think yeah
1: where you are like i didn't die i didn't die i'm a little sunburned and i'm kind of dirty i'm gonna go home and take a shower and get a shower beer it's gonna be great <laughs> shower beer shower beers are amazing after you work in the sun all day I'm,
0: yeah i've never fucked around with the shower beers i think i maybe have done a shower beer like one time Dude, just go find somebody that you know that has a house and just
1: volunteer to cut their grass and just cut their grass bill and get real fucking hot and sweaty. Shower beer is the best thing that's ever happened to
0: you. And then have a shower. Yeah, dude. Is this like a a must-have man experience? I don't know if it's a man experience because Caroline did the same thing. She also was like, this is... Oh yeah, shower
1: beer is the best after you cut the grass. Especially if you can (laughs) see the grass from the shower and you're looking out at your work
0: going, I fucking cut (laughs) all those grasses and you're just drinking a shower beer. It's very important to be able to have a view of that grass from the shower whilst having a shower beer. (laughs) Dude, that's such a fucking vibe. It's a great experience. I love a shower beer. Oh man. Yeah. So if I had to hard pivot... Uh I think I would go into streaming chess. Oh man. Oh, okay, okay, same question. What if you had to I can see you doing that first. Yeah. Secondly, what if you had to hard pivot with no computers because you 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 gave yeah. me that. You know, I actually think that was Jan's question is to do it without computers. Um yeah, it's a good one, a good question. I mean, I could see myself I definitely feel like I could be like an entertaining chess streamer and just do like 12 hours a day of fucking 1-minute chess games. Right. And just being a chaos <laughs> um you know what i'm not sure without computers i'm not really sure what i would do i could see you like being like an organic farmer or something i cannot see myself being a farmer <laughs> i think see, see you being a sick farmer a or, sick, how, yeah.
1: how does one be a good farmer Well, oh, because you're you really you really atten- you pay a lot of attention to detail and, right. and and you're good at process and that's mostly what farming is
0: yeah but i feel like maybe i feel like i also take a lot of shortcuts Maybe you'd be a really shitty farmer. Yeah, I think I'd be a shitty farmer. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be like, why is nothing growing? And they're like, did you put the seeds in the ground? You'd be like, I didn't think I had to. <laughs> what about... um? Like, you see- did you water the thing? You're like, yeah, I just like, sprayed you know, the whole thing real quick. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Try to do like some shortcut thing. Do you see yourself being a soldier? Fucking no way, dude. How about a pilot? Mm, I don't think my vision is good enough. Oh, that's true, that's true. <clears throat> about, like, um, about like a sports player like a baseball player or something oh actually i could probably be a like a professional bowler like yeah 10 pin bowler yeah did you know i i already talked about this on another podcast so i don't want to get into it too hard but I, I was like not like semi-pro bowling but like i was when i was younger i was playing bowling at like a state level nice in australia yeah that'd be cool man yeah i, I went and played the other day in santa cruz with Jan, and i bowled like 120 i think the first game and 150 something the second game i've never broken 100 Oh really? Ever? Do you use bumpers too? No. No. Yeah. We should go bowling sometime. I use bumpers because I'm not a child. Yeah. Yeah. Don't. <laughs> you, if you use bumpers, you're a fucking child. Grow the fuck up. Grow up, you child. Anyone out there using bumpers? Grow up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <sighs> um. Yeah. Tell me about the the 3D shop.
1: Oh, it's um, it's really cool. I I can't tell you about any of our current projects because of uh, non-disclosure agreements. But past projects, we're mostly we're the we're best known for doing the um infinity gauntlet for thanos from marvel
0: right right um, so um so you're basically working at like a film prop studio yep. and you make like film props and oh yeah in this same studio they do like prosthetics and they do like prosthesis um prototypes for manufacturing so like set design
1: like well, and even, even for like things you'd never think of, like there's a refrigeration company called Hoshizaki and they do mostly commercial refrigeration and like ice makers for restaurants and that sort of thing. But before they go ahead and press the green light on making, you know, 1500 units, they want to make one unit that works perfectly. So we do a lot of prototyping for stuff um, like companies like that, like Greco, the Carsey company, um, and and that sort of thing where it's like, all right, we're going to make, we're going to make something based on the design to make sure that the design holds up before you know giving a manufacturing plant the green light to make 50,000
0: units. Right. <clears throat> yeah. And um how did you uh, end up working there?
1: Um a really really cool person. Um I met at a get together in uh, you know around Atlanta. Um basically uh we got talking about repairing stuff. They 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 flip houses on the side. Um and I was like, "Oh, yeah, I could help you with that." And um, he found my Instagram at one point, I think, and then uh offered me a job. Um a couple days later, and I went in for the interview and got the job. And it's great. Yeah, fuck yeah, yeah. Oh, that's sick, man. That sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, it's a lot of sanding. Okay, <laughs> it's it's far more sanding than I expected.
0: People are like, what do you do for a living? You're like, I'm a sander. I'm a sander. Like sandor dude on my discord. Right. That's that's you. That is what you do. You're you're sander dude. I'm a sander dude.
1: <laughs> We got some cool machines at the work man we got a couple of those um machines i was talking about that could chuck aluminum bricks across the state uh yeah
0: so i'm curious you said that happened once not at this shop okay but it has happened yeah and it just, things go wrong all the time right right but when it happened the specific case you told me i just went through the safety glass through the wall and then a mile down the road yeah and it just didn't hit anyone no that's so lucky yeah and was there were there people around yeah holy fuck so what you're saying is at any point in time i could just be walking through an industrial area and get hit by a chunk of metal i mean yeah and that hasn't happened to me yet not yet could happen it's it's far more likely to happen to me than you
1: but <laughs> yeah, well, because you're around it yeah, exactly exactly i'm increasing my risk level every day that's fucked it actually gets more likely that I'll, that'll happen to me as days go by that it doesn't happen to me
0: yeah that's true probably like based on the maths of yeah. probability or whatever yep. it's like every day it doesn't happen every day i go to work and i come home
1: successfully alive with all my fingers it's more likely that i'll lose my life or my fingers the next day and that's why they pay
0: you the big bucks
1: <laughs> yep that's right <laughs>
0: um so what uh what else are you working on
1: um, so I think I mentioned earlier I'm working on a collaboration with my friend John um, called Minmax that we'll be making public here in a couple of months.
0: Oh, um, that reminds me. Of last time, have I told you about the Psytrans project I'm starting called Psytrans Man? Yeah, <laughs> I'm into it. Nice. So you're starting a project with John called Minmax.
1: Minmax. we oh, yeah. have already started it. We've already started it. We're about um, 15 or 20 tracks in at this point.
0: Cool. You haven't released anything? No. But uh, so what's the like release plan? Do you have one, or just sort of write stuff until you feel like there's enough releasable? yep it's changed twice so at
1: first we were like okay let's just do neuro and then we then we wrote this one really beautiful um mid-tempo song like res type of thing and we were like fuck let's do that so now we've got like 10 tracks that are like that and 10 tracks that are just totally neuro Mm -hmm. and john's like you know we could just go a b a b a b throughout the album and really fuck with people (laughs) like like that that's kind of an opposite end of the spectrum pairing like progressive mid-tempo and neuro Mm. you know Feel like they probably go to well, they go together pretty well. It though. works a lot better than you think it does, and everything's yeah. at 180.
0: Well, honestly, I feel like Reza's stuff is like I would even go as far to almost put it in the neuro category. It's Got some l- elements of it, it's a little faster than neuro. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe you could call her style Redux bass. Yeah. <laughs> she, I, th- I feel like she uses a lot of Redux I, d- I did an episode on my YouTube channel
1: where I showed exactly how to make um, one of her bass noises and it's basically the downsample distortion in serum yeah and you, that just, makes you sense. tune it to the fundamental yeah and it gives you that nice crunchy wine
0: mm, yeah that makes sense so um, Austin AU5 actually I think uh, he told me he did some tutorials with her like tuition way back in the day oh huh, cool yeah maybe he showed her how to use a Redux maybe <laughs> <laughs> maybe Yeah, I like Rez's stuff. Her her last album was pretty cool. Yeah. There's a few of her earlier tracks where I was like, oh, this is slightly questionable. I also like how she has a solid positive
1: positive presence on social media. Like, she's never really causing shit.
0: Yeah, honestly. It's a breath
1: of fresh air. Just go to Rez's Twitter page and be like, ah, everything's fine.
0: Yeah, so I have mixed feelings about that. I mean, like, I like it when people are positive, for sure. But I almost feel like sometimes, and this might just be me. Yeah. I'm like, fuck you, you virtue signaling piece of shit. Don't I wouldn't so- say <laughs> that it's saccharine. You know what I'm saying? Oh, I don't think she's being that way. Yeah. But like sometimes I feel that way about people who are too positive. Yeah. I'm just like, you're just saying all the shit, you know, people will fucking react to and be like, oh, you're a good in- inspiration. It's like, you're not real. Like, I don't know, sometimes it feels disingenuous to Another me. I know the type. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, obviously it might just be me and my stupid cynical fucking brain thinking that shit. It's always a possibility. It's probably a bigger possibility than the other person actually being a piece of shit. <laughs> I feel like I know you too well to comment on that. <laughs> I mean, you can comment all you want. That's what we're doing here. We're just commenting at each other. <laughs> you're such a sad piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean, though? Like, yeah, you, yeah. you go to someone's page and they're just like, oh, you know, it's just everything is love and light. And you're just like, I know that you're angry. Be angry. <laughs> yeah. Then just always be. I mean... I know Anderson if he specifically told me he tries to just put nice shit out there because uh, there is so much Bull crap. bullshit out there. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So he's trying to specifically be really self-aware of like just putting friendly, nice stuff out there, which is a fair reason to do that, I yeah. think. That's fair. Personally, I'm always just like, I just want to be myself. I'm going to have a long career. I've already had a long career spanning over a decade at this point. It's like, I want to have three or four decade careers. I don't have fucking time or the energy to not be myself.
1: Right. That makes sense. It's going to be
0: too difficult to be not myself for that long you know yeah and it's like people at some point i think or at least i don't people have to do shit but my theory is that like i want people to just like accept me for me and therefore it's going to be a lot easier in the long run because i mean you can't keep up some fucking bullshit facade for 40 years
1: no it'll drive you crazy yeah i mean that
0: that, there's a lot of youtubers who
1: complain about that being the case right you have to look a certain way to to engage with an audience for millions of views a day
0: i mean you don't have to they don't have set themselves up to be that way right there is people who look like shoe nice and get shoe nice amounts of views. <laughs> AKA Shoe Nice. Yeah. And I think I think um
1: PewDiePie, as much as people like to hate on him nowadays, is more Of himself than he was when he started, Hmm. and at one point did have like kind of a turning point where he was like, "Hey, everybody, I can't keep this up. I'm actually kind of mad at some stuff, so we're just gonna do that for a while. And if you stick around, cool. Otherwise, fuck off."
0: Yeah, I think that's the the better way to be. Yeah, honestly, it seems like the more comfortable way to be. Also, I like Duncan Trussell's theory on this, or was it Duncan? Yeah, I think it was Duncan Trussell, where he was um he was talking to Joe Rogan about like being the gatekeeper to what you do. He's like, you know, it's kind of your Like in charge of like the Joe Rogan gate. Oh, maybe it was Joe saying it to Duncan. I don't know. It was on a podcast with those two guys. One of them, I think it was maybe Joe saying to Duncan. He was like, "You know, you're like in charge of the Duncan Trussell gate. Like, you have the keys to the Duncan Trussell gate. Nobody can like do stand up the way that you do it, or nobody like excretes the essence of you. You know, like you do." Right. It's kind of like what we're talking about last night, where like you know Skrillex is always going to be the best Skrillex, Tipper is always going to be the best Tipper right it's like because they they seem to just be really true to themselves and therefore they've been able to have these like really long careers where they've just been able to be themselves and enough of the right people have sort of surrounded themselves around the project for them to be able to make it lucrative and all that kind of stuff yeah so in that case that's why on twitter i'm like you know what i'm just gonna fucking say whatever i want i have a tweet delete bot tweet
1: delete bot mm-hmm. what's that Dude. all my tweets after 30 days are automatically deleted
0: oh no way oh right because you think you're that fickle that after a month you're like a different person so you're no. like anything a month old is not a good representation of me and No, I, I just don't like the idea and i could go on about this for a while
1: um have you seen dave Chappelle's new stand-up uh no it's pretty great and he has a moment where he does two impressions uh-huh. he says, i'm gonna do two impressions real quick and the first one he does like a, a, a pretty dave Chappelle impression of the founding fathers and it's funny um and, and his second impression is, all right, now who's this? And he goes, I'm paraphrasing, duh, I don't care if you've ever done anything bad, whether it was 10 years ago or yesterday or today, uh, if I ever find out about it, I hear that you did this or if I, you fucking done. He's like, all right, who's that? And the audience is like, that's Trump. And he goes, no, that's all like you. That's <laughs> what the audience sounds like to me. So I, I have kind of a persistent distrust, or excuse me, mistrust of of just any Twitter handle that I don't know them as a person. So I don't want any. I don't want them to be able to just grab my words older than thirty days and use them against me. Unless it's pretty presumptuous for me to say that would happen to me, right? Yeah. But like I mean, I don't have enemies like that, right? But right. I but mean, yeah. the 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 idea and the concept of like watching people get dragged on Twitter. Or, like, frightens me to my core. That might be the thing I'm scared of the most. Is like
0: somebody taking some shit that you said. That's and my great, yeah. Turning a mountain into a molehill and making you out to be like a monster and then yeah. just like dragging you yeah. through the mud. And- yeah.
1: Being mm-hmm. misrepresented to the point where I become a social pariah by no fault of my own. Like, the, the, I, I, almost, I was on the Fantex podcast a few weeks ago uh-huh. and that they were like, What's your greatest fear? And I said, That was it. And I, I still think that's my greatest fear. Like, just- yeah, interesting. So, my thought on that is like, being taken to court by the, by the you know, Council of Public Opinion.
0: Yeah, I think that stuff's fucking dumb, man. Like, I mean, I that's not a fear of mine at all. And the reason why is because I think I'd find it pretty easy to defend myself and just be like, I'm actually not a piece of shit. I have millions of, well, not millions. <laughs> I have millions of years worth of content online. Just look at me being nice. <laughs> <laughs> Someone's going to go find you tweets and be like, oh, I'm actually the worst producer. And be like, hey, Bill, I told you. I mean, everybody fucking slips up and says some shit that they don't mean at some point. I think like you've got to take the the larger percentage of who somebody is, and if somebody such as myself has like thousands and thousands of hours of content online, and for most of it I'm not bigoted, and then I say one thing that could be maybe misrepresented as bigotry, and then you get taken to the taken to court by the public opinion, uh, it would be probably be pretty easy defense to just be like. Well, if I was, like, bigoted, don't you think, like, there would be thousands and thousands of instances where I've said stuff that's bigoted rather than just this one, like, vague thing that can be misrepresented? Yeah. And I don't really think it would be that hard to defend. I mean, unless it was some serious shit that I said that was, like, really fucking mean to a whole group of people and then I just kept espousing that, like, week after week. Doubling down and doubling down. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Then I think it would probably be bad.
1: Yeah, I get what you're saying. It doesn't make any less scary for me.
0: Yeah. yeah.
1: Do you want to talk about the idea of, of of whether or not that's 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 a good thing that we're that we're doing as a society, like
0: call out yeah, culture and stuff like that? Sure. Yeah. Do you think that's a good thing that we're doing as a society? I think it's terrible. I think we're heading toward thought crime. Thought crime.
1: Yeah. So thought crime is the idea that having even having a specific thought like let's say here's a good example oh my
0: god i have the worst thoughts all the time me too everybody does but that's the thing is like your thought is not what defines you it's like how you then take that thought out into the real world and how it affects other people that is important right so you and i are obviously on the same page with this <laughs> but well i don't think like they're heading towards thought crime i feel like humans well i mean maybe not all humans definitely i have like the most like the other day for instance i can't even remember what conversation i was having and literally the thought just popped into my head of like how much would a someone have to pay me for me to fuck a clone of my mom's pussy as a flashlight like that thought just popped into my head and i was was just like that's so fucked why did my brain just do that and then i obviously took it to discord and made a straw poll yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah but you know, like then, that's a problem for everyone else because now they're thinking it too. Yeah, I mean
1: more like like thought thought crime in the sense that I don't even want to talk about this because like somebody could edit this up and and turn it into me like actually saying some bullshit. But like let, let let's let's make the case for it's it's the end of a very long day, right? And someone kind of crosses your path, and you have the, and and the thought occurs to you, "I'm gonna murder this person." You're not gonna murder that person. I'm not going to murder that person. You're not going to murder that person.
0: And you know I'm not going to murder that person, but you're just that mad. Right. And then, like, you're saying that thought could then, like, put you on trial for murder. Right. Uh, That's some, like, George Orwell dystopian shit. I mean, like, that's possible that that could happen, but, like, I don't know. I don't think that would happen. Yeah. I think this comes from my Christian background the idea of having impure
1: thoughts everyone some, has being, impure thoughts Anyone? being something you need to apologize for oh like,
0: fuck that everyone who thinks that like they don't like there's nobody who doesn't have impure thoughts I know that and there's especially nobody who has impure thoughts who is also creative because literally what being creative is is being able to take anything and repurpose it as anything else in like interesting ways right right to me that's like the whole basis of creativity and in that sense it's like your words are just gonna start putting themselves wherever they may and like certain thoughts and ideas are going to inject themselves into yeah. other thoughts and ideas and like if you're be- if you're a truly creative person this is what will happen in your brain
1: yeah it's why that's why you sometimes say things like lord butt wang dildo
0: Havarti and it, it's, exactly it's, yeah. it's like it's, it's no fault of your own it's just the way your brain works well I mean <laughs> yeah it's gray area to say like whose fault is what but like it's it's definitely the way my brain works like I'll just repurpose like anything into anything and because I just do that every day that's but, what my thoughts do too but you just hit you just hit the nail on the head the idea or the gray area that somebody's thought is their fault Mm -hmm. yeah
1: that's what i'm worried about that that cancel culture is taking us
0: toward the area of your thought is your fault it's definitely not like your thought is not your fault because like i think uh they've been able to test this with like fmri we don't even know where thoughts come from right
1: they just happen right yeah so if somebody has a thought and expresses that thought and then they lose their job over it that's not fair
0: expressing the thought is different to just having the thought though Right. Like having the thought is one thing, expressing it to other people is another thing, and acting upon it is another thing.
1: So, I suppose there are several degrees of separation between having a thought and posting about it on Twitter.
0: Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> yeah, totally. Like, <laughs> all right, all right. There has to be like... I just don't like it. <laughs> I don't like a lot of the thoughts I have, honestly. Like yeah. my second thought after the one about the clone mum's pussy one was like, what if my dad did a clone of Willie? How much would I fuck myself with that for? <laughs> I, actually, let me ask you that question. How much? Uh, <laughs> how much would someone have to pay uh, you to fuck a clone of your mum's pussy? Ah man, quite a bit. Like in the thousands, in the hundreds. <laughs>
1: single digit numbers <laughs> if i really wanted a piece of modular gear you know i don't know man uh, <laughs> uh, it, it, it'd be up there i don't know if i don't know if i'd be able to do that like would i be able to do it with and you'd have to have the knowledge of that right
0: uh yeah i mean you could use the money to pay for therapy later i guess <laughs> <laughs> yeah it'd be up there in the, in the hundreds of thousands yeah yeah What if you had to do it with VR goggles on too, and there was like a VR version of your? Oh, dude, it's too much. I don't even think I'd be able to get it up.
1: (laughs) It's not because Sue isn't a gorgeous woman, Sue. Sorry, Um, it's just it's just because like it's it's just that'd just be too it's too weird, man. You know?
0: Yeah, that would be. Yeah, I don't think
1: I I wouldn't be able to maintain an erection. You know? That'd be so bad.
0: Yeah. Um. Speaking of VR, uh, we did the plank experience at Ben's house. Oh, that was great yeah that shit was so fun. It's really insane how like unnerving um, it's so unnerving it's uh so for people listening, um I went to Tipper's house last week and he put VR goggles on me, and the first thing he made me do <clears throat> was go up a elevator, like a sixty story elevator. Um, And then the elevator door just opens and there's just a plank (laughs) and you're 60 floors up. And you look down and there's cars and like little people and there's like
1: clouds and other tall buildings around you.
0: Yeah. And then I was like, like,
1: this uh, isn't going to mess with me. And then you step out of the plank
0: and you're like, oh. Yeah, exactly. You like start to lose your balance. (laughs) This is going to mess with me. And it's like the the graphics aren't even good and like (laughs) nothing about it is like. It's not real. It's not real looking at all, but it takes up your entire peripheral vision And your brain just clicks into I'm on a plank 60 floors up mode. It just can't handle it. Yeah. It it, totally fools your brain. It does. Yeah. And I did it a few times and it didn't really get any easier. No. Like every time it was still fucked.
1: And and, uh, did did Tipper have like an actual piece of wood for you to step on everything?
0: (laughs) No, he didn't. And it still fucked me up. Ben did.
1: Ben had like an actual board that that you could step on to give it just a bit more of like an augmented feel. And that that was
0: messing with me. Oh, having the two by four was fucking terrible. Yeah. Terrifying. Super terrifying. Do you think you could actually like let's say hypothetically there was an augmented reality where you could and there was like sensors all over your body and like all sorts of shit like that? Do you think you could like walk out onto a real plank like that? And even if you like if you knew you weren't gonna die or anything, I'd give it a shot. Oh man. There's no risk of death. Yeah, let's say there was no risk of death, but there was maybe a risk that you'd like fall over and sprain your ankle or something. Yeah, I'd try it. You'd still try it? Yeah, I like to try things. Even if there was a risk of spraining your ankle. Yeah, yeah, whatever. <laughs> You'd just be like, this is worth it. Again, I, I risk
1: my digits every
0: day. I'm good. Let's, a, let's try it. You're an experience whore. Yeah. Basically. <laughs> yeah, fuck, man. It fucked with me so much, mat- so so much. And there was the uh, the other one where you like press the button in the elevator and spiders just start coming out of the wall. Yeah. That was fucked. That didn't bother me nearly as much as the plank. Like yeah. the whole
1: spiders and the guy with the drill. I was like, yeah, whatever gets down of my face. Yeah, the is pretty fucked. Fight you. <laughs> Stupid drill guy. Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, cool, man. Well, uh, is there anything else you wanted to talk about? Um I'm
1: still publishing music. Check me out on Spotify.
0: I just publish it slower than I used to. Right, yeah, because you put an album out called Ambiences, which is just all modular stuff. Yeah, I had you a did, great time writing it. You did all that in real time yep. on the modular. Yep. I I made I made everything um uh with
1: with the modular using ableton to trigger midi and uh i recorded the all the songs in one shot and all of the automation is done by hand so mm-hmm. all of the knob turns and everything were just practiced and rehearsed over and over and over again like as if i was working with an orchestra nice um and i just and kept recording it until i got it right based on the sheet music and then that was it if you look at the ableton projects actually it's really funny there's just one track and it, yeah that's, that's awesome and
0: then a bunch of midi data in the uh, uh the clip view nice. or whatever Okay. Yeah. And then uh as for and then you have another project that you finished recently either just before or after that called Whitey McWhiderson.
1: Yeah, Whitey McWiterson, which is a hip hop alias. <laughs> I really enjoyed that. It did pretty well on uh on, on Spotify for for an initial uh album. And um I'm gonna be doing more Whitey for sure. Just Whitey takes a long time for me to write because I don't hear lyrics as naturally as some people. Right, yeah. Yeah.
0: <clears throat> nice. And then uh have you put anything out? between whitey and ambiences nope so the next thing that will be coming out is um a single it's
1: a remix of uh, a friend of mine named stage um, so that's coming out you can expect that um uh, i'm working on tunes with a bunch of people and i'm working on an album called bird rider that's coming nice. out
0: and youtube videos you doing any youtube when i can just like not pressuring yourself, but you're just like planning to do them whenever you feel like it. Definitely have burnout on YouTube right now. Right. But uh, you still keep your channel just like to have an archive of like the stuff that you have released. Yeah. I definitely think I'll make videos at some point again. It's just not right now. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like if you do stuff too much, you'll always hit like a burnout point. I kind of did that with touring. I hit a burnout and then didn't do a lot of shows through 2017 or 2018. And I'm just starting to ramp it up again now, I feel like. That's good. Yeah. People like to see you. Yeah, it's it's getting more fun to do more shows again. Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna do my first uh, my first full blown tour again since the fall of 2016 when I first met you in spring of 20- 2020. Nice. Yeah, that's cool, man. Which is like, yeah, I haven't done a full blown tour like that in fuck almost three years. Yeah, actually, yeah, three years. Yeah. <laughs> Shit. Exactly. Yeah, we met three years ago. Crazy. That's crazy. Yeah, that is crazy. Here you go. Just an email. Hey! <laughs> and yeah, I think you talked to Anand, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. I'm still with Anand, too. Yeah. Fuck, we've been working together for a long time. He was on this podcast, like, the other day as well. Nice. Yeah, his episode did really well. People were really stoked about it, just because he, like, works with the aunts, and like, everyone in the scene, like, knows him and shit. Right. Yeah. That's I imagine cool. people would like to see some, like, you talk
1: about some inside mm-hmm. baseball and, like, how things work and stuff.
0: Yeah, yeah, we we talked about a bit of business stuff. We also talked about bowling for a long ass time. <laughs> Is he bowl? yeah i think so yeah cool yeah i think just like not competitively or anything but he said he just does it for fun yeah oh fuck i forgot we're we're working on a tune we are working on a tune yeah we almost finished one fucking slapper it does it slaps <laughs> that's the tune slapping yep yep cool man all right well i appreciate you doing this yeah likewise thanks Great. for having me all right cheers have a good one later Thank you for listening to the Mr. Bill Podcast.
1: Thank you for listening to the Mr. Bill Podcast. Thank you for listening to the Mr. Bill
0: Podcast.